Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Last night, I had the opportunity to go with some friends to a Christian music event hosted in my community by something called Redbird Common. And um, so it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Cade Thompson from Sioux Falls, South Dakota was there. Jonathan Trailer, he is from Dallas, Texas, but now lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. The three guys who constitute the band Consumed by Fire. Um, They are in town preparing for the launch of their First Things First tour. And Jason Roy um, from Building 429 was there, um, presented as a solo artist, but really as a dad, because his daughter, Haven Madison, joined him on stage. She is a senior in high school, and um, she's 17 years old, and spent much of the last year in Los Angeles in a process known as American Idol. And so, um, uh, shout out to Jason Sharp. One of your friends was there uh, from CMB. And um, let me just say, let me just just pause and say, wow. If you have not tuned in lately to what God is doing in Christian music, let me <laughs> let me encourage you to tune in. God is on the move. Um, Something good, let me just say this, something good must be happening in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, to have produced a young man like Cade Thompson. And so shout out uh, to to mom and dad, shout out to the local church, shout out to uh, whoever it is that's had an influence in that young man's life. I mean, I'm just going to say, wow, wow. And and then my other observation last night is that legacy is real. So the three guys who are all brothers who constitute the band Consumed by Fire, um, they shared a song that, um, you know, you got like a sense that they don't share it often. And it's about their dad. And it's, um, he died in May and they wrote this as a tribute. And they're... Testimony, their 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 prayer is that you know they would just be half the half the man um, that the man who made them was, and that's such a incredible tribute to their dad. Now they're sitting next to on stage, they're sitting next to Jason Roy, and just on the other side of him is his seventeen year old daughter. And to say that the lead singer of Building Four Twenty Nine was gushing over his kid would be an understatement. Um, one of the things that he shared was, you know, it's, you know, you've, you've worked hard in your life to do something, to become something, to establish something. And, and he talked about the tremendous opportunities and blessing that he's had. And, um, and he has had a, a really incredible career in Christian music. 
And then he said, and then your kid arrives and they're moving so fast that they just wave as they pass you by. And he's saying it in this like gushing delight over his daughter. And then he turned and said to us very directly, um, asked if we would pray for her, if we would put her on our prayer list. And so I'm going to extend that invitation to you today. Put Haven Madison on your prayer list because she's not preparing for a career in Christian music. She's preparing for a career in the pop music culture. She feels absolutely called by God to go as light into darkness, to to sing to those who don't know God loves them in order that, you know, they might glimpse the light. So our sister station, KTIS, uh, is in the midst of their fall fundraiser right now. And I thought um, out of just sheer gratitude for Christian music and the impact that it has in my life and in the lives of, of so many others, let's just take a moment to pray for them today. Father, thank you for the good gift of music, and thank you for the gift of good Christian music and Christian musicians, singers and songwriters, and Christian radio stations. Thank you today for KTIS and all of our life stations in Northwestern Media. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for um, for the way you pour forth the gospel in song and the way it touches our hearts and lives. Bless them with the resources that they need for the accomplishing of your will in and through those music ministries happening right now in every moment of every day through Christian broadcasting. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Our friend Bill English is going to join us next. Maybe you have heard that there is very, very potentially a government shutdown coming. Um, You know, so what? Yeah, that we're going to have the so what conversation here in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Bill English is back from BibleandBusiness.com. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning, Carmen. So um, the government may shut down. I mean, unless Congress actually gets its work done here in this, the next couple of days, a few days, very few days left. Um, so I have a list here. Essential uh, services will continue even if the government shuts down, which is curious to me. Social Security and Medicare checks will be sent out. It's possible yep. that some SNAP benefits could be impacted. So, yep. um, you know, quick shout out to food um, distribution ministries. Um, you know, you may see a rise in in clientele. Federal employees, government contractors, members of the military, they will eventually get paid, but eventually doesn't mean immediately. And so some of them might stop working if the government shutdown lasts too long. And then things like, well, all the business that you might be doing with the government, passport renewals, citizenship applications, IRS refunds, national parks, those will all be impacted. Um, I, I think that my question for you today, Bill, is like, so what on the on the personal Christian level? You know, Paul and I were laughing about that off air when you when your uh, segue uh, into this segment, you did the so what conversation. Yeah, that's that's kind of my response. Um, you look, you know, I'm old enough that I've been through I don't know half a dozen or more of these shutdowns, 
and the hype beforehand by most of the media. Now, the article that you're you're uh, referencing here from ABC Seven, uh, Channel Seven, is is more balanced. But a lot of the hype in the media is just unwarranted. <laughs> Uh, the reality is, is that uh, federal workers will get retroactive pay. It's basically a paid holiday for them, although it won't feel like a vacation for them. And that for the vast majority of us, a government shutdown of 10 or 20 days really doesn't impact us all that much. Our, you know, the laws continue to be enforced. The The economy continues to go. The stock market still trades. You still go to work. You still get your paycheck. And um, this uh, this uh, kind of this hand wringing about the government shutting down, I've I've just learned to basically uh, ignore it. Well, I would like to say that people who want smaller government, this is a good exercise in experiencing it. Um, and so I think that it's an opportunity for us to press in. Um, and to maybe even establish a foothold, foothold in our local communities, like it's a good opportunity to um, to stand, you know, to stand up and to press into the gaps that might be created. Um, and then, you know, you might have an opportunity for an ongoing influence in those spaces and places, uh, even, you know, as things get revved back up. I mean, we um, if we're advocating for smaller government, then a government shutdown is a good opportunity for us to demonstrate what it looks like for local citizens and local communities to take responsibility for things um, where we can. Now, obviously, there are some things we can't take responsibility for. But um, but I do think that, you know, instead of wringing our hands over a crisis, we embrace uh, the potential opportunity. That's, know, for my me, the, that's my we the people speech. <laughs> for me, Carmen, you know, it wasn't too long ago that that uh, the the debt ceiling issue was an issue, right? And 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 uh, the 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 Democrats wanted a clean debt ceiling bill, and and they pretty much got what they wanted. And as a result, we're probably going to spend we're probably going to do two trillion of debt just in a twelve month period. Um, that's, that's really significant because the, the idea was that the time to debate the budget was not during the debt ceiling, uh, discussion. And so the time to debate the budget is now. And so what mm -hmm. you're going to see is there's, there's going to be about 30 house Republicans that are going to hold this hostage. And I think this is going to come down to, uh, who has the backbone to outlast who, who has the courage to outlast who? Who is willing to put up with the political pressure and the public criticism more than someone else? Because I, I, from what I can tell, I don't know that we're going to get a, a continuing resolution passed, which, by the way, right. we haven't passed a budget since 2019. And I know, so this is, this is really irresponsible um, leadership on the part of both the House and the Senate to do all these continuing resolutions over and over and over again, um, this, we're really going to find out who has the courage and the backbone to outlast who, because someone's going to have to cave. Someone's going to have to give. Someone's going to have to uh, flinch. And uh, who that someone is, I don't know, but uh, this is we're going to find out on a political level uh, who has the backbone. I don't know. I guess I would... I would rather see us work um, work together instead of just engage in just like a chicken fight under the death. Um, yeah, but, but you know that which, this is our Washington. No, I'm, I know. 
I, I know, I know. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to be a kingdom person in the midst of it. Hey, Bill, let's move from um fiscal irresponsibility to a conversation about stewardship responsibility. Bill has written a book called The Transformative Power of Generosity Toward God. I thought it would be fun today to talk about stewardship, our personal stewardship. Um what uh, you know what it means to um give God his due? What what does that look like? What does that mean as good stewards of the things that God has set us as managers over? It all belongs to him. God owns it all, and eventually it's all going back in the box. So what does our stewardship in the meantime look like? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Stewardship. Stewardship. Is it about good money management? Nope, it's not. It's about generosity toward God. Bill, tell us about the transformative power of generosity toward God. You know, I I honestly believe that financial generosity is the solution to so many problems in our church and in our society that it is difficult to overstate or exaggerate the importance of Christians, just Christians, becoming generous with their money and their wealth. Uh, Generosity is a heart issue, as you well know. It is not a financial issue. Those who are generous towards God always have enough money to give, and those who are not generous towards God never have enough money to give. And no matter how much they actually earn in a year or what their balance sheet looks like. So generosity is something that represents uh, when a person is generous towards God, they have chosen God over money, and they are living, it's one of the hallmarks of a of a Christian who is living on fire for Jesus Christ. You will never find a Christian who is on fire for Jesus Christ who isn't generous towards God. So uh, I put this book out. This is, uh, this is four sermons that I preached back in April and May of uh, 2021 at my church. And uh, I have manuscripted those sermons. And for those who don't know what that means, it means I wrote out the sermon word for word, uh, as opposed to just having an outline of notes. And my wife, uh, <laughs> my wife, my lovely, beautiful, smart wife, said to me uh, not too long ago, she goes, "How about if you take those and put those into a book?" And that was all the motivation I needed to uh, to uh, publish a book. So that's what the book is. It's short; it's only about fifty-five, sixty pages. Uh, but it's the four sermons that I preached at my uh, church in Maple Grove on uh, on stewardship. So one of the things that um, I've learned recently in in reading the Great Dechurching, which is just this chronicling of the forty million Americans who have left the church in one way or another um, in the past twenty years, um, is that that has taken six billion dollars that was given through, you know, church giving, institutional church giving, and it has taken it kind of like out of circulation in terms of um, of Christian ministry. That means that there are a lot of Christians with a lot of tithes and offerings that they're, they're not even being asked to give because they're not engaged in, in a local church, which troubles me deeply. Um, 
but like that's king those are kingdom resources that Christians have are stewards of that like they need to be released for the for the good of the disciple. I mean it's it's like not good to store up in barns that which God has given for his kingdom purposes. And you know that's the first time I've heard that Carmen and my I guess my gut response would be that those people God has a work to do in the hearts of those people because you can't just walk away from church um or from maybe the church institution but you can't walk away from the body of believers. Right. And still say that you're on fire for Jesus Christ. Well, that's one of the hallmarks, again, of a person who's on fire is a person who loves to be with other believers and a person who is generous in, in that way. So um, I, I hear what you're saying, but uh, there's probably something deeper going on there than, than the generosity piece. I also think we we lack imagination. Like I I these institutional, these facilities that local churches, you know, they're no longer filled with people. Um, and so, you know, they're on the market and, um, you know, this 16,000 square foot church sitting on nine acres of, you know, on a highway in Mount Vernon, Illinois, the best offer was $150,000. Like you can't buy chairs. You can't buy, you know, you, you can't put chairs in a church for $150,000. So I just, um, I, it's, it's, it's an interesting time for us to be looking at the opportunities um, that God is presenting us as believers in this generation. And so um, maybe over the course of our next couple of visits, we could actually walk through um, the things that you talk about in the transformative power of generosity toward God. Um, God owns everything. God entrusts to us some of that which he owns. God gives us uh, those entrustments based on the abilities that he's given us, stewards should know um, the master's will. And if we're faithful to God, then we're going to reign with him throughout all eternity. Like it is not about the stuff of here and now. Um, And the kingdom focus that you bring to this is amazing. I like this. I like this list right here. Think about this. This, Yeah, go ahead, Bill. No, I know. I like it. In fact, I I encapsulate all four of these uh, sermons in one simple sentence, and it's disciples of Jesus Christ are faithful to God in stewarding all that he owns by disadvantaging themselves to advantage his kingdom. Yeah, I, uh, I, I I like this. So the stewardship question to consider today as we, uh, as we part ways is um, if you, if you love the local church, whatever your local church is, if you love the ministries that you benefit from, Will you commit to sacrificial financial giving in order that the gospel could be could be advanced? Like, will you actually participate um, in the covenant that you have with God by um, allowing him to write his law on your heart and mind and being a faithful steward of uh, that part of his kingdom resources that he has set you over as a manager? And I, I love this, Bill. Will you intentionally disadvantage yourself? In order to advantage the kingdom of God, that's the question of the day. Will you intentionally disadvantage yourself in order to advantage the kingdom of God? Bill, as always, man, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Good to talk with you. Such a gift. Such a gift. That's Bill English. You can connect with him at BibleAndBusiness.com. 
Um, this is maybe the shortest book that that he's that he's ever written, quite possibly. It's just fantastic. The Transformative Power of Generosity Toward God. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Jesus Christ intentionally, intentionally discipled 12 people every day for three and a half years. That's what he did. He intentionally discipled 12 people every day for three and a half years. And then he commanded them and others who had gathered around him. So maybe close to 120 people at Pentecost. Um, and commanded those disciples to go and intentionally make other disciples. Go and make disciples. That's the great commission of Jesus. Is it just a church slogan? What does it actually look like for people who are filled with the Holy Spirit to imitate, to represent the intentional relational methods of Jesus? in making disciples today. So we're going to talk with Brandon Gendon. The book is Intentional, Living Out the Eight Principles of Disciple Making. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Brandon Gendon is joining us now. His latest book is Intentional, Living Out the Eight Principles of Disciple Making. Most interesting in his bio to me is that Brandon is a bow hunter. Um, Brandon, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. Good morning. Glad to be here. What are you bow hunting? My, well, I'll just go ahead and confess. My husband is currently, uh, he, my, my text last night from his satellite phone um, is that he's at 10,000 feet in his tent. He's elk hunting in the Gunnison National Forest. It's bow hunt. Oh, so pre- I'm curious, like, what are you hunting? What are you bow hunting? Um, I'm I'm very jealous of your husband. Um, I well, I'm really here today. Life. I'm I'm really here today to see if you'll go with him next time because it makes me increasingly nervous that he goes by himself. I would love to go. Um, I <sighs> spent. Um, You're signed up. Life. You're signed up. This today has been a successful conversation from the viewpoint of the host. Yeah, well, that that yeah. would be fantastic. Your husband and I, I'm sure, could share a lot of stories. I, I grew totally. up bow hunting uh, my whole life. I my dad was a a bush pilot in Alaska. I I've spent oh, my wow. whole life hunting, and then in, in the much of my life, also in the Rocky Mountains, uh, elk hunting with a bow. I've bow hunted a lot of different different animals, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's been a big part of my life. Okay, well, he also um, loves Jesus and um, is passionate about the scriptures and discipleship. So you guys uh, have a lot in common. I'm thrilled to be talking with you today. Um, I actually, I love the Get Real podcast. So I want to be sure that if you're listening right now and you're you're just looking for a wonderful, relatable, down-to-earth, help me, um, help me walk as a disciple of Jesus, if you're looking for a podcast— I haven't found a better one. So it's Get Real um, Intentionality. Um, that's uh, So it's a Get Real podcast. I can send you the link if you text me, 877-933-2484. The book is Intentional, Living Out the Eight Principles of Disciple Making. Brandon, um, let's just start with this. Like, how did you become a disciple, and how are you intentionally discipling others? 
Yeah, it, my walk with the Lord started in college, um, and and then I was first really discipled by uh, uh, my wife's parents. The joke with Amber mm. and I is uh, I dated her parents. I didn't date her. Um, there's a lot of truth to that. I spent a lot of time with her her mom and dad early in our when we were dating in college, and uh, they poured a ton into me. I didn't know or understand at the time really that I was being discipled, but. Um, but my father-in-law, well, both mother and father-in-law were very intentional with me, um, which I appreciate and learn. looking back, I've learned a lot. And then uh, I got in a small group, um, start at Real Life Ministries with uh, Jim Putman, and and uh, when the church was very first planted, and and several of the guys in that, in that church early on were discipling me, and God put a call in my life to ministry, and, and so my my early journey, because I wasn't, I didn't grow up in the church really, was uh, people pouring into me. And then, and that's all that I knew. And and I, I became very, very passionate about the scriptures early on and specifically the life of Christ, um, of what he did and why, when I was early in the church, did it look, did things out in the church world look very different often than when I read in the new Testament. And hmm. And so I just became very passionate about let's, I want to do things the way Jesus did it. And, and so then I right away just started doing what others had done for me. Um, But I wanted to, I just felt this strong pull call urge leading by the Holy spirit to really become great at it. Like of doing what Jesus did, um, imitating him and and trying to um, disciple the way that he did. And so I started discipling. Uh, my wife and I together were discipling some couples um, early in our faith, early in ministry, doing the best that we knew how, and just continue to learn and grow in that process. And our life um, for now 25 years of ministry has been um, doing everything that we could to pour into the lives of others and disciple them. Yeah, I love it. Um, for those of you listening right now, Brandon has led churches uh, around the world um, to become healthy and effective disciple-making bodies for Jesus. Uh, And he and Amber planted Real Life Ministries in Texas in 2016. He is the author of several um, several books. We're talking today specifically about his book, Intentional, Living Out the Eight Principles of Disciple-Making. 17 trips to Ethiopia in 16 years. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so where, where, so I, I, one of the things I, I love about you is like, because you didn't grow up contaminated by some kind of small church culture, your understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus um, is intensely personal, intensely personal, but also global. Can you, Correct. you know, 17 trips to Ethiopia in 16 years, like why? Yeah. Yeah, the first the first time I went, um, uh, our executive pastor at Real Life asked me to go with him. I, I didn't really have a desire to go, um, but he really wanted me on the trip and to see this. Um, we had a missionary there from our church that was doing medical work, and so I I went. And also at the same time, parallel, my wife and I were praying about adopting, and um, and we weren't sure exactly where, but. Um, um, there was a, a relation a relationship that we had connection with on adoption there in Ethiopia. 
So there was a couple reasons why I was going kind of investigating the adoption process and also um, visiting our missionary. And when I got there, I saw, I, I met uh, several um, pastors that were there in Ethiopia and immediately began a relationship with them. And I was fascinated with their lives because they were making disciples, but didn't, didn't, they weren't intentional about it. It's just was who they were. And, and I kind of looked at, you know, the American church as, as I was at real life and it was growing and people were asking us what we, what we were doing, that the church was gaining influence. And, but I go to this foreign country and I see this, this group of folks just living out their faith in a way that was um, different than what I had seen um, often in the, in the U S and I, I just felt this draw to it to start learning and, and, and understanding, okay, what are they doing? And, and do they even know what they're like? They're just, they seem to be doing this as if they were just, uh, it was a lifestyle. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, that looks pretty close to what Jesus was doing. And so that's where it really began. And um, the Lord just kind of kept calling me back there to work with with local leaders. And and then I, I saw that there were areas that were that they needed to work on and that were broken in leadership and, and then being intentional so that it wasn't just happening by accident. And that just began this journey of working with them and helping helping leaders there um, raise up church planners, raise up and plant future churches. And that spread to working on a, on a national level um, to where now I'm working with the Bible College and national leaders. And it, it just continued to grow be, by God's grace and favor. Um, it's so good. Um, I... Uh... I like the essential series um, on your podcast, which seems to line up nicely with um, the book, Intentional, Living Out the Eight Principles of Disciple Making. Um, So we're going to continue our conversation with Brandon Gendon here in just a moment. When you think about um, Jesus's command to go and make disciples, I mean, you recognize we want to be discipling our kids. We want to be in discipling relationships with people around us. We want to... um, we, we want to be disciples who are replicating discipleship. But if you're not a disciple, if you've never been made, if it hasn't happened for you, then how do you know how to walk it out with somebody else? So we're going to talk about what it looks like to seek the Holy Spirit, um, to, uh, to take someone along with you, um, to speak the truth, to stand firm, to release them to go and to live the lifestyle in community and unity with fellow believers, because we're doing this together. So you're listening to Mornings with Carmen, more with Brandon Gendon in just a moment. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen.
Brandon Gendon is here with us today. The book is Intentional, Living Out the Eight Principles of Disciple Making. And yes, I'm happy to send you the podcast info um, for his Get Real podcast. I'm also happy to send you information about um, about his book. Um, Brandon, why don't we just um, quickly um, summarize the eight principles of disciple making that you unpack in the book Intentional? Yeah. Well, I think that the, my whole, my heart and goal was to stop and to look at and go, what are the consistent things that we see in the life of Christ? And so we see Jesus uh, asks hun- literally 100 and plus questions. Um, uh, I think actually the number is around 300 questions. He Jesus is constantly modeling, listening to understand. Um, which is fascinating because, you know, he's God and knows the answers. And, and so he, but he's models something for us, I think, relationally. He certainly models and looks, you know, to where the spirit of God is working. Um, we, I, I think, make some critical mistakes in Western Christianity about uh, relating to the Holy Spirit in this process of disciple making. And so that's a critical part. Developing potential in people is something that, um, has been a passion of mine and seeing Jesus was constantly developing the potential of his disciples, preparing them and to send them out. He certainly modeled taking someone with you. Um, that's something I try to do every day in my life is take people along with me and what I'm doing to model for them. One of the greatest challenges I think that I speak about in the book is being interruptible. We are so busy uh, with such set schedules often, um, is are we, we willing to be interrupted, especially being interrupted by God um, and, and interrupted by circumstances around us? Are we willing to have some flexibility in our lives? Because to be a disciple it's a, uh, and make disciples, it's a lifestyle. And so, you know, I get into speaking truth into people's lives, um, that you we can speak truth and not compromise, and but yet love people at the same time. And and uh, one of my favorite, the most difficult chapters I wrote on was standing firm. Um, mm. That into especially in today's world, I mean, Jesus is the greatest disciple maker to ever walk the face of the earth, and he had people walk away and quit and leave and give up. Um, and we're going to have people that that just don't want this life. Jesus mm. calls it a narrow path for a reason. And um, I've had to grapple with that, but know what he's called us to do is make disciples and continue in that mission, regardless of what people decide to do. Um, And so standing firm is important. And then releasing people to go. Um, That's one of the things I've seen over 20 plus years of doing this in ministry, where people have a hard time letting other people go and do it and get in the game and participate you know, and Jesus allowed them to go and he let them go do it and he let them make mistakes and he coached them through it. And um, that's a, that's a significant part. And so I, I just conclude with, you know, a thing that I, I really believe is becoming a disciple maker is a lifestyle. It's not, it's not something we just do. It's who we are. And so much in the church has taken discipleship and redefined it as either a class a course you take, and not that classes and courses don't have their place, but disciple making, according to the greatest disciple maker ever, is a calling and lifestyle that every single Christian is called to. You cannot separate discipleship from really from the gospel. It is a lifestyle. 
And that's my hope is to help Christian people go that you can do this. You can walk out the Great Commission wherever you are, a business owner, uh, a, a, a mom, a single mom that's with kids and, and a dad that's, that's uh, you know, trying to figure this out for his family. It doesn't matter. If we're a follower of Jesus, this is our calling. And, and my hope is to help people um, become more intentional in their life. I think when you say um, you can do this, I uh, I want to hear. I want some of my friends to hear you say you can be this. Yeah. Um, because we are a doing people. We like to check lists off, and we like to, you know, well, if you just if you just type this out for me as a to do list, then I will just go do it. But you are really talking about being. You're talking about who we are in Christ. Um. And so I, I genuinely appreciate um, this, this not just this conversation, but you as an example of the conversation um, and the stories that you tell. So let's do that. Could you um, tell us a story out of your own disciple-making experience? And Brandon, it could be one of your success stories or one of your failure stories, which I also think are good. Yeah, I, I think um, you know the first one that pops into my head because um, I'm I'm meeting with him later today. Um, I've I've written several kind of stories around him. Is is my friend Greg? Um, I had the opportunity to uh, we when Hurricane Harvey uh, hit Houston, um, we were a brand new church plant, and I had the opportunity to meet Greg and um, help him because his house had about a foot and a half of water in it. And um, I brought a group of guys and we went and helped him clean out his house and, and help it start drying out. And and I just started building a relationship with Greg. Um, I invited him to several um, just kind of hangout times I had with other guys and barbecue and and just over time got to know him and and uh, and his wife, Laura, and then inviting uh, eventually them to our small group. Um, they were not followers of Christ. Um and uh, they started coming to group and just spending time with him, getting to know him, getting to know in his world. And and um, and eventually over time, he he came up to me. I'll never forget the day and put his finger right in the middle of my chest. Greg's about six foot four, a South African rugby player. He's a big man. <laughs> and he comes up and puts his finger in the middle of my chest. And he says, it's time I stop playing games. And I said, what do you mean, Greg? And he goes, I need to follow this Jesus. And I was able to lead him to Christ there and, and things just, you know, the Holy Spirit began changing him and I was, began discipling him in, in small group. And uh, now, um, you know, I meet with him once a week and he's, he's on my staff. Um, and I, but I'm pouring into him. We're walking through the scriptures together and it's been, you know, uh, several years now. And we've had our ups and downs, successes in life and struggles, and but we've walked through it together. Um, and Greg has put in the hard work, and I've done my best to take him along and model for him and and uh, watch him grow. And now Greg is discipling, um, he's discipling uh, several church planters right now. And um, it's to, to watch that process go um, and see how God's now using it and, and using Greg is is incredible. And it was just two guys that met, you know, mucking out a house that had been swamped from a hurricane. Um, and and again, it's something that I do as a lifestyle. And and now Greg is doing. Greg has become the reason I talk about him is he's become one of the best disciple makers I've ever met. Mm. Um, he's just he he's 
he's amazing at it. And um, it's because he lives it out as a lifestyle. And so that that's one um, that just comes to mind right off the bat. Yeah. And uh, and one of the things I love about that, um, Brandon, is one of the reasons maybe that Greg has become one of the best disciple makers ever that you've met um, is because he, um, <laughs> let's say this, he, there's two ways to say this. He doesn't know any better. He doesn't know any worse. He doesn't that's, know other models <laughs> of doing yeah, it. That's true. He, that's very true. And, and I'm just saying like, that's, um, that's a gift. Like it's a gift and releasing Greg and, 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 you know, some would say elevating Greg, but that's not maybe the language that we should be using, releasing him, recognizing his gifts, um, uh, allowing God to move through a person, um, that we've had the privilege of leading to Christ and discipling for a period of time, like being really excited that God is now using them in ways that outpace us. Like I, that's that's a part of the spirit of um uh, of what uh, of what you talk about and how you talk about it and how you live it and how you demonstrate it that I really want others um to see and get so thank you for that yeah i think we have to come to to the terms with this is i mean we use this kind of terminology but do we really mean it this is about the lord jesus christ and his process his church advancing his kingdom advancing I genuinely believe, I don't want credit. I don't even care if anybody knows. I mean, I'm telling it on this radio show, but that if anybody even knows that I discipled Greg and right. it's gone gone beyond me to him, to guys that he's discipling that may not even know who I am. And that's, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, I, man, that is, um, that is the spirit I want to see cultivated. It's the spirit I want to replicate. So um, it's the spirit of Jesus. Um, thank you. Um, thank you for the conversation today. Thank you for the podcast. Thank you for the book. Um, thank you for your ongoing uh, ministry and modeling of it. Um, and thank you in advance for being my husband's friend. There you go. Yeah, just, I, uh, I look forward to that. Yeah. I, I just totally. Yeah. So um, the book is Intentional, Living Out the Eight Principles of Disciple Making. I'm happy to send you the links um, for Greg and uh, his his podcast in particular, um, the Get Real Intentionality podcast. It's just excellent and um, encourage you to uh, to fellowship with him in an ongoing way. Brandon Gindon, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and we'll be right back. Um, all right, what constitutes art? And what is good art? Um, Maybe you remember the story of the artist who got a really, really big uh, commission check, um, $76,000, as I recall. Um, And he took took the money. And when it was um, time for the piece of art to be delivered, he, um, he put a blank canvas on the wall with a with a title take the money and run <laughs> uh okay here's the question um and he now he now has to pay them back but here's the question what is good what is art what is beautiful how are you determining um those values the good the beautiful and the true we get those from god so let's seek him first today have a great day and god bless Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. 
If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.